Hello and welcome to Neurodiverse Noise. I'm here today with Piper. Say hello, Piper. Hi, I'm Piper. Tell us about yourself. What are your pronouns? Uh, my pronouns are they, them. Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm also a Gemini, so I like to talk. So I do. I work in a tea store. I sell tea. That's what I do. That's very um, interesting. Yes, I very much enjoy it. I drink tea all the time. Um, I have my own podcast. I watch, I consume an embarrassing amount of TV. Um, yeah, I don't, it, I always, I always struggle with this. Like, tell me about yourself. I'm like, oh, suddenly I'm forgetting everything I've ever done. Um, I have the same struggle. Oh, yeah. Struggle. I, I, um, between the ages of 15 and 18, I was an event organizer for School Strike for Climate in far north Queensland, Australia. And during that time, I had, I met with a lot of politicians to discuss the climate crisis and like intergenerational inequality. Um, I also did workshops for, uh, facilitated workshops for the youth coming through that are now event organizers because I got aged out. Um, so yeah, I also did that. Well, that's very interesting. I didn't know that about you that uh, I don't know how I would know that, but <laughs> that's a really interesting um it's always the one I forget to say as well I'm like oh yeah I did that I would have curated more questions about that had I known about that but but since I don't have any questions about that do you want to talk any more about that before I get into the actual questions or no that's okay it like yeah I don't think I have anything more to add with it okay well um my first question today is just going to be just a base level you don't have to get into too much if you don't want to but what do you identify as like lgbt wise so i identify as a non-binary lesbian and i know that some people are probably confused because they're like oh how i this is you know something that i struggle with too i don't know how to talk about my sexuality without first talking about my gender and i stressed about that for a very long time but you know i am not a man and I'm attracted to people who are also not men so I sit very comfortably in that definition of lesbian then because yeah I'm just I'm attracted to women and other non-binary people so I don't know what else I'm supposed to call myself and then what is your neurodivergence identity tell me a little bit about that oh so it's really funny I was but like I've grown my brother my younger brother has autism and he was diagnosed when he was four and um it wasn't until about a year ago that mom and I were sitting down and we were talking we were actually talking about something that was like quite heavy as well and then she turns to me and she was like I think you have autism and I was like oh thanks mom um and then I was like oh fuck that actually makes so much sense because when I was 18 I was diagnosed with BPD And it was one of those things where I was like, I understand why this is what's happening, but I also don't get it. Like I don't, doesn't feel right. And my psychologist now, we've spoken about that. And she says that that's actually very common for um, like people socialized as women to be misdiagnosed with BPD when they actually have autism or ADHD. Um, But I was having coffee with my friend the other day and we're at the, we're at the park and I was like this big group of like adults and I say that as if I'm not an adult I'm a young adult you know um 
there was this big group of people and they had their dogs and we had sat down after we'd ordered and one of the dogs had come up to me and like put its face like in my knees and then was just kind of like sitting and just like letting me pet it it wasn't like responding to the affection I was giving it but I didn't really care I'm more of a cat person anyway um and then when I got my food I went up and I washed my hands went to the bathroom because I had just been petting a dog and I sat back down and my friend said to me it was like Piper I need to tell you something I've just overheard about this dog. And I was like, amazing, lay it on me. What do you know about this dog? And then she was like, it is a therapy dog for kids with autism. And it just sniffed me out. And I, so I thought that was really funny. Um, but yeah, so I haven't been diagnosed with autism, but like my therapist treats me as someone who has been. And it is something that makes a lot of sense. Like a diagnosis and I'm not... I'm not familiar with how it works in the States. I imagine it's probably more difficult than it is in Australia, but it costs a lot of money to get diagnosed with something here. Yeah, it and, is the same here. <laughs> yeah, and I'd rather travel, you know? Like, I'd rather spend that money doing other things because what is a diagnosis actually going to do? I feel like for a lot of people, a diagnosis is very validating, but when you're at a point where you can validate yourself, it's not necessarily, like, the most oh, necessary sure. thing especially yeah, when it costs so much and it's so much work and so much like so many spoons are put into getting a diagnosis when you don't if you don't need one why put in the effort mm, yeah exactly so I had a question about mm. how your neurodivergence affects your LGBT identity do you feel it does do you feel that your neurodivergence influences how you see your labels or you see yourself um that's a good question so when I was young, I always knew I was different, but I didn't know what that meant. Um, and I didn't quite know in what sense. Like I figured out I was queer around 12 and then I just came out because I was like, well, I may as well tell people, you know, there's nothing I can do about this. But I still felt like there was something more, like there was something else that I couldn't quite see that was impacting the way that people viewed me like and I knew that it was like this inherent understanding that like who I was was different to everyone else and was something that they wouldn't understand and so I tried to like become someone else like I would take I would take like you know inspiration from like tv characters and movies and I would just kind of like change my personality to like fit in with other people and then everyone was confused because I was one person with them and then another person with someone else and so that was kind of that's something that I remember very early on like not understanding why I felt so different even though I at this like at this time like going through this I knew I was queer so there was that I I actually really want to know what the overlap is between neurodivergent people and queer people because I actually feel the most safe being my neurodivergent self around queer people because um, I don't I don't feel a sense of judgment that I do when I'm around straight people I think that queer people have this like understanding of not conforming to societal expectations and I think that that carries over when they um are talking with neurodivergent people 
I definitely had a similar experience. Like all, it felt like you were hitting all of the right bullet points with me. I knew I was LGBT from a very young age, and I I would think I came out around ten years old, and I came out as being queer sexuality wise, but that didn't quite fit. So I thought, okay, this is something I have to look into more. So I looked into it more, and I found out I was a trans man. And mm-hmm. it for a while, it felt like all of the things were put in place. But as I started to transition, it still felt like I wasn't being seen. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that's maybe I need medical transition. So as I medically transitioned, I became more comfortable in the fact that I might never be seen as me and seen in the way that I want to be yeah. seen until I discovered that, oh, wait a second, I am autistic. Sometimes I wonder if like my, because I'm, I'm just going to talk about a little bit about like what being non-binary feels like for me because I honestly feel like you could ask five people how they like five non-binary people how they experience their gender and you'll probably get like seven different answers you're so um, right yeah but for me I kind of I kind of feel like someone who doesn't have a gender and just wears it um and I used to always think to myself like I wish I was born a boy so that when I was wearing female clothes people knew it was a choice and it wasn't something I was doing because I had to um and then it wasn't until I was like 17 that I was like that's not the most cisgendered thing anyone's ever said um but yeah so it was that and you know I I love expressing femininity. It's very fun. Um, But when I'm alone, particularly like when I'm not around anyone, I feel like I'm just a person. And, but then when I'm like around other people, that's when I really start to like wear gender. And I think that that like being like gender is kind of tied in with my masking, like how I'm like expressing, how I'm expressing gender to people is also kind of like how I'm expressing um, my personality. I, again, all the bullet points, I feel almost <laughs> almost exactly the same. I see, I no longer identify as like trans man. I identify more as trans masculine genderqueer because while yeah. I've had top surgery and I'm on testosterone, I feel like that's just my way of making my body feel the way I need my body to feel to be comfortable. But when yeah. I'm sitting alone in my sweatpants and my t-shirt watching Hannibal NBC, I'm not necessarily... Yeah thinking oh I'm a dude doing this or I'm a woman doing this or I'm a non-binary person doing this I'm just existing and I don't necessarily see clothing as like a gendered thing but I do tend to wear more feminine clothing and I've never felt more myself than wearing a crop top and a skirt with top surgery scars on display and wearing makeup so it just feels very like for you it just feels Gender is a it game. It feels so affirming. It does feel affirming. It, gender from, is a game. Oh my gender god. Gender is a game. <laughs> yeah, gender is, is a game. game and 10 points for me. Just Yeah. I don't know what the measurement score is, but 10 <laughs> points. No, some oh my god. I was actually having a conversation with my friend about this last night. We were talking about gender and she made me laugh so much because she was like, when I was like four years old, I literally went up to my mom and I said, Am I a boy or a girl? And I was just Thought that was really funny but I like sometimes I think about what my answer would have been as like a seven-year-old if someone had said to me do you want to be a boy do you want to be a girl or do you want to be neither I like 
I bet Australia has a really big gambling problem. Um, just FYI, uh, I would bet money on the fact that I would have said, oh, I can be neither. And then I just would have run with it. See, I have a very complicated relationship with gender and because of neurodivergence and because of childhood and stuff, I feel like confident I feel like I'm not allowed to say this to the cisgender public or the neurotypical public but I feel like when I was wearing dresses as a child I was a boy in a dress but when I was playing in the dirt and like playing with trucks I was a girl playing with trucks and that is the only way I can describe my gender Mm -hmm. is I was a boy in a dress while also being a tiny child like I feel like if I I mean it's the fluidity of gender that is just something that really each of us as individuals is never really going to be able to understand yeah I definitely feel the fluidity in myself and I feel so like not upset by and not genuinely confused by but kind of like this weird version of confused when I see cis people because I'm like you really you really just ran with it you really you didn't didn't question it once there was no questioning at all yeah it's like I can't imagine (laughs) Uh, well, one of my um, one of my friends, she's a late in life lesbian, so she came out when she was around thirty, and she quest like when she was young, because she, she same with me, always knew she was queer. When she was young, she questioned her gender before she questioned her sexuality because she was like, "Oh, I like girls in the way that boys are supposed to like girls. So does that mean that I'm a boy?" And that was something that confused her. And then it wasn't until she realized that you can be a girl and attracted to girls that she was like, oh, okay. See, that's such a funny, like, an interesting way to look at it. Because I've heard that from a few people. But I always thought like, oh, because my mom always wanted a daughter. She always praised me for my long hair and the way I crossed my legs. So I was very like, oh, I can like girls in the way that boys like girls as a girl, but I can't like girls in the way that a boy likes a girl as a boy, even though I really like boys. And it was like, it was so confusing. And my little brain couldn't wrap my mind around anything other than, oh, I don't like girls. I like boys, but I like boys in a way that a boy likes a boy. Therefore, I'm a lesbian. And uh, (laughs) that's how my brain worked it out. And looking back, that doesn't make any sense. But like, when you're not allowed. I mean, if it made sense to you, then that's all that matters, really. I, I didn't think I was allowed to be a boy, but when I realized I was a boy, I slowly started identifying as like a gay man. And then now I'm like a queer, gender queer person who just likes people. And like, I've never, yeah. I've never really put much thought into um, anyone's gender other than my own in the past, like three or so years while dating people. I've just been like, meh, you, I yeah. like you, you like me. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Let's, You're let's a person. It. I'm yeah. a person vibe i'm at least in a person's suit half the time let's (laughs) i'm a menace wearing the flesh of a human being do you feel like identity like neurodivergence or gender slash sexuality which do you feel you identify with more or you see more in your everyday life oh i think I think that's very interesting because like when I'm navigating the world as a neurodivergent person, when people like it, it makes me so angry when people say something, but then mean another thing. And then they get mad at you for not, you know, now like realizing what they meant. It's like, babe, you said this, what, um, that was how I took it. Like I'm so, you know, it's that kind of like those like social cue, uh, not even like social cues, but like the, that, 
that is what I can't do. Like I need to be told something literally and, you know, you don't have to dance around. Like if you try and tell me something in a roundabout way, I'm not going to understand it and I would rather someone just get to the point. So like that's kind of something that frustrates me. I also like, you know, obviously I'm like hypersensitive to my surroundings and noises and stuff like that. But I think, I think recently something that has been affecting me more in my day-to-day life has definitely been like my gender because even like I'm in a team at work with mostly female presenting people um I think I'm the only genderqueer person on the team actually but whenever me and my female co-workers are working and like a customer comes into the store they're always like oh hi ladies and then like I just my heart just kind of sinks you know like I get I think it's more like gender is something that's affecting me more in my day-to-day life because I'm so aware of the general population's obsession with the binary and how I just don't fit into that and the 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 feeling I get when I'm in that situation is just not fun and then it's also this like constant battle of like you know like coming out is exhausting that's why I like I'm so glad I don't have I'm I'm really glad I don't have to like come out as as a queer person anymore because I think if you have a conversation with me and you still can't work out that I'm gay that's on you but like gender I'm some sometimes I am like oh if I wear this are people gonna think I'm a girl and then I'm like people are gonna think that anyway there's nothing I can really do about that which is really upsetting um but the the constant battle of like okay do I explain to you right now what is happening or do I just let it go and then because a lot of the time people have questions that I don't even have the answers for like I'm still very much someone who is figuring out what like you know, kind of like looking back at my childhood and being like, what, how, how did this all fit together? And, you know, so yeah, there, there are questions people have for me that I just don't have the answers to. And then therefore I'm like, I don't want to have this conversation, but then I'm also like, I don't really, I don't want you to keep calling me a girl. So that is something that I really has, has been sitting uncomfortably with me lately. That's, I feel like I have almost the opposite experience where, like, I have worked out and I have played with and I have been through so much gender-wise that it Mm -hmm. almost doesn't matter anymore. And my neurodivergence is really, like, front and center because, well, I do get misgendered and I I get called she, her, and I get called he, him. Oh, you literally have facial hair. What? You you would be surprised. I get called she, her so frequently especially i do like spider web makeup where i put like huge spider webs under my eyes people mm-hmm. will ma'am me constantly they'll be like oh what can i do for you miss how are you ma'am and especially <laughs> i'm in the southern oh, I'm united so sorry. states oh, so it's very okay. much like seen as it's seen as more polite to address a man as ma'am than not address anyone as anything and that like baffles me as someone who like isn't southern in like mm-hmm. my nature so it's confusing but like 
as someone who feels that gender isn't really like I've gotten I've worked through my own issues with myself and misgendering doesn't really affect me anymore because I understand that I'm going to be misgendered no matter what I do I might as well just dress how I want and be how I want and like I've worked through all my issues with that but I haven't worked through my issues with my neurodivergence because I still have meltdowns I still get overstimulated I still don't understand social cues but knowing that that is never going to change no matter what I do there's no medication I can take or surgery I can get that will like make my brain be neurotypical I think that's why my neurodivergence is more of an issue and presents itself more often in everyday life versus my gender like if I get called she what I have facial hair I have a flat chest I can go home and be happy with myself they can go home and be confused Mm. about the weird person they met on the bus (laughs) so it's just yeah it's not yeah they're gonna be thinking about you more than you're gonna be thinking about them yeah in that in my book that can be kind of a win sometimes because sometimes you'll especially in the south I'll see someone with like a trump shirt on and like let's go brandon pins and I'll be like you're gonna call me ma'am right now and I'm just gonna go home and laugh and you're gonna go home and be like those snowflakes skrr yeah it's not gonna it's not (laughs) gonna be these are just sensitive um it's so I actually have something called dyscalculia which is dyslexia but with numbers and I was diagnosed with that at the end of grade 11 I think that's like that's 16 for all the non-Australian listeners but um so that I think was the first time I really like realized that my brain operated differently um and it was like confirmed that my brain operated differently and that was like that was this like in in the grand scheme of things that was a small thing but at the time it was kind of like oh that's why I suck at math like that's why I literally can't do this and I'm like I reconnected with one of my friends from high school a couple months ago and we were talking about she actually was diagnosed she wasn't like officially diagnosed like same as me but she has autism and it was just kind of funny because I was like oh my god neurodivergent people really do travel in packs um but and I told her I was like hey you know I have dyscalculator and she was like oh that was why you always got me to do your math homework for you and I'm like yeah um so that was kind of like you know and also my younger brother has autism so I grew up in the environment like my my parents didn't actually tell me that my brother had autism until I was like 13 so I didn't like really know what was going on but after I did know what was going on it was something that I wasn't unfamiliar with so I think when I had the like the first kind of inklings that I was also autistic it wasn't something that I couldn't wrap my head around it was just something that I was like oh this actually makes so much sense and it was a, I think because it was such a gradual experience over a, like a long period of time, it all kind of fell together in a way that didn't feel catalytic. Was there maybe a moment or a memory that really sticks out at you that was just like a clicking moment? Was there a moment where you were like, this makes everything make sense? and I am neurodivergent or was there a moment was it just like gradual or was it one of those things where you're like wow I can look back and I can confirm with myself and confirm with these memories that I am autistic oh probably when I realized what hyperfixations were and what special interests were I was like oh (laughs) that's what that was like when I when I was younger I was obsessed with 
like ancient Egypt and Greek mythology to the point where like for several hours of the day I would just sit down and like write like I would look at the big mythology books and I would just write like handwrite all of the things that stuck out to me and like the stories that stuck with me and I would do that and then I was obsessed with astronomy for so long I did the same thing I like made my own like bible of the solar system I like wrote it all out like the comments and every uh, the comets and everything and I did all that and I just did it for fun you know but it was one of those things where I couldn't stop like it got to like two in the morning and I was like I need to go to bed but I can't stop doing this I physically cannot pull myself away from this um so that was kind of something that I was like oh that makes so much sense and then now my special interest is astrology but I think uh, because I, I know like I know what it is now. I kind of know the boundaries I need to put in place with myself to be like, okay, it's two o'clock in the morning. This will still be here tomorrow. Go to bed. And it's like it's still difficult to do that. But it's it. I think because I've been doing it my whole life, but not knowing what it was. Now that I do, it's easier to say to myself, okay, these these things are still going to be here tomorrow still have time you don't have a lot of time to go to bed you have to get up at 10 like so yeah I think that's that I relate to um the special interests and then not knowing what it was so just like pushing the boundaries of um mm. like time pushing the boundaries of people's patience because yeah. if you were to ask me like in if you were to bring up anything 21 pilots related even in the slightest in like eighth grade you would not you wouldn't have the chance to move for the next two hours or I yeah would cry. <laughs> so yeah like I definitely oh my God. I definitely understand yeah. that special yeah. interests and hyperfixations though that wasn't really the tipping point for me the tipping point was probably when I realized that I didn't know social cues because I grew yeah. up thinking I was good at social cues until I realized what a social cue actually was. And I was like, oh shit, I'm terrible at these. I and think I've always known I was terrible at those though. Like, so that I, was just kind of one of the things that really like solidified itself. And I was like, oh, it's because I'm autistic. I have such bad denial Not issues. because I'm a Gemini. <laughs> I went into denial about being autistic from the second I learned that I could be autistic because- yeah. My brain does I the mean, autism fair. thing where I don't realize things are an option. So I didn't, oh. I, I see oh, everyone else has these options except for me. So when I realized I could be autistic, I went into denial and I'm like, I couldn't be. It could never be me. That's actually just not possible. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I totally understand all of these things that neurotypical people are. I think Friends is funny. I'm definitely neurotypical. <laughs> so I, I didn't I wasn't yeah. but the chokehold um, that friends has on the neurodivergent community is I don't understand is intense. do you feel like your identities in neurodivergence and being genderqueer and queer are somehow like linked intrinsically or do you feel they're yes. kind of separate okay no that was I a do quick think yes. that they're linked yeah um now I've thought about it and I think because like growing up analyzing the world around me constantly was just something I did for fun you know so I think um when I realized what the gender binary was and when I finally had words for that I was like oh okay because I'd kind of 
I'd already been thinking about that without realizing that that's what I was thinking about because I didn't have the vocab for it. Um, and I think being, you know, whether you realize you're neurodivergent first or whether you realize you're queer or genderqueer first, like you are kind of already living outside of this box that society is trying to fit into you. So you suddenly realize that there's all these other possibilities that could potentially happen. And so like, I do think that for me, at least, they are intertwined, especially being autistic and being non-binary. Those two things definitely, I think, are connected. I definitely agree with myself personally, my identity is being linked, but also like, I feel like having written about this and having researched this, I know a lot about this topic, but I also know that there's ever so much learning to be done about gender variance and autism and how like when you do grow up analyzing things for fun and analyzing things as like the way your brain works and you're constantly getting input data and trying to get output data but like faster than a neurotypical person and like also differently it's like it's more likely that you're going to question the things like the gender binary and like gender and sexuality and it's more likely that it's you're going to see it as fluid versus seeing it as like this black and white thing because as much as people want to talk about autism and black and white thinking you don't really like black and white I think of it more as like a web of thinking like it's not a it's not black and white thinking it's just kind of like a like one little section will lead to another and then that one will lead to one and then over here it's just kind of like a, a spider's web yeah because like Yes, I, I would struggle. I struggle with what I would call black and white thinking, but it's not so much like this and this. It's like I want things to be in their little boxes, but also these little boxes can lead to these little boxes can lead to these little boxes. Like it doesn't have to be. I don't see the world as binary. I see the world as gray, but the gray still needs to be put somewhere, if that makes yeah. sense. Like that's how my brain sees it. And I think me having been so analytical about gender and sexuality, like, There's no way that I could be who I am today if I weren't neurodivergent, not just because it's a fundamental part of my identity, but also because like it's led to every other part of my identity. Like Mm. it's, it's, it's a part of your brain that you just can't get rid of. And it's a part of your brain that allows you to see other parts of yourself that you wouldn't be able to see otherwise, at least not at the speed at which at least for me that I figured it out. Yeah, it really does shape the way that you view yourself and the world around you and your relationships with other people. It really does. And like, I feel like there's a lack of understanding about neurodivergence. Obviously there is. There's always going to be and there always has been. But it just feels like, it feels so obvious to me while seeming so confusing to other people somehow. Like, I can look at something and figure it out very quickly while other people are still stumped on it but then I look at like how are you doing it's Monday and I'm like what does that interaction mean like I don't know it's just small talk I can't do it I'm like you know what if we have nothing to talk about we don't actually have to talk we can just sit in silence that's okay I heard this thing I don't remember where it was but it was if you just say the name of the day of the week to a neurotypical person they will assign an emotion to that like if someone's like how are you and you're like it's Wednesday they'll be like oh yeah hump day and it's like how I said the day I said the name of the day of the week I don't know how you know what I mean yeah that doesn't make sense to me it doesn't yeah (laughs) but how are you it's blank day that doesn't that doesn't okay that doesn't answer my question I asked you how you were 
Yeah, and then the whole good, I'm good, that's good. What? If you're not actually good, why would you say you're good? And if you don't want to hear that I'm not good, don't ask because you should be prepared yes! for Yes! Oh my god, yeah, when I was talking to my friend last night and we like started the uh, the video call and she was like, how are you doing? I was like, oh my god, I'm wild right now and how are you? And she was like, why are you wild? I was like, well, I'm not good, so I don't want to say good, but also like I don't want to get into why things are bad, so um, things are wild. wild. And she was just like, oh, that's fair. <laughs> so yeah I, I I feel that do you feel or have you in any way experienced ableism for your neurodivergence have you experienced anyone like assuming you're not neurodivergent or assuming you couldn't be maybe or anything in that realm I don't know because I haven't like yes actually yes I have um there was a group of people that I was traveling with a couple of weeks ago and what is really strange because the person who was saying that she was studying psychology but I overheard her talking to someone about how weird I was but all of the examples that she was giving for me being weird were literally describing a neurodivergent person I was like, oh, Piper doesn't understand social cues. Piper is always off doing their own thing. Like, um, and it was just, it was kind of all these things where I was like, you're studying psychology and you can't put these two things together. That that was something that, like, it also hurt me for a little bit, but also at the same time, I was like, I don't have the energy to do this. But when I was in high school yes I experienced ableism but I didn't realize that that was what was happening and I don't think other people realized that that was what they were doing because it was a similar thing or being like I was always the weird kid like you know I was an an unevolved Gemini I was a you know someone who wasn't self-aware and was also very neurodivergent so yeah to um, to people who are neurotypical I was strange and but I didn't realize that that was what was happening I didn't know why and I think that was one of the reasons that you know at school like made me so distressed because I was like yeah I can't think of any like really specific like ableist thing someone's ever said to me I think it's only like little micro examples that I experienced in um in high school I can definitely relate to the um the they're not neurodivergent they're just weird and then every weird thing being an example of how they're neurodivergent because Mm. my mom did that for the longest time where when I first presented to her that I was autistic um she was very much like no you're just weird but then oh I'm so sorry that's horrible (laughs) it's all right she's come around to realizing how I'm neurodivergent and how it affects me and so we're we're making progress there but every example that would be for weird would be a neurodivergent trait and I think yeah. that's how she finally realized that I was autistic is I would talk to her she'd say you're not autistic you're just weird and then she'd say I'd say that's an autistic trait after she'd say why I was weird and I think me saying oh that's an autistic trait that's an autistic trait did you know that's an autistic trait I think that finally hammered it in and it's yeah me, like question when people say anyone is weird, I question them on why. Oh, and- same. I'm like, why? Why? If 
their answers are something like, oh, they didn't hold the door open for me, or this social cue was missed. I'll be like, they probably struggled to hold the door open for themselves, let alone <laughs> someone else. Yeah, I, um, I, it's crazy the amount of neurotypical people out there. I don't really associate with many neurotypical people now, but I like, thought I did, members... and then we're all going on our neurodivergent journey, and I'm like, yes. oh, we're all <laughs> neurodivergent. That's what the it amount is. of times that I've like that a door will explicitly say push and I'll try and pull it is just it's embarrassing actually and then someone behind me is like oh you need a I can't remember if I yeah they're like you need to do what the sign says and I'm like oh really I was about to just break through the door okay like yeah it's it it happens so much so that example of like they didn't hold the door open for me it's like I can't even hold the door open for myself let alone anyone else yeah it's just I don't associate with many neurotypical people because they just don't something doesn't click it's like yeah they don't understand what is neurodivergence what it means for you what like they're like my goldfish's son is autistic and he doesn't act like you therefore you're not autistic and it's like yeah ever ever think that when like, someone tells you they're autistic you don't get to say no that's not your it's not a yes or no question it's, yeah. it's just a statement i'm not asking you i'm not asking for permission i'm just saying i am autistic this is yeah this is me. i'm actually sharing with you a very vulnerable part of myself so you can understand me better as an individual and the fact that you're trying to devalue that right now is not helping our connection flourish yeah i feel like it's not, I feel like people see it as something that it's not. It's not me disclosing something that you don't need to know. Like, I'm not out here being like, I'm autistic, autism, autism, autism. Like, on the internet, I am sometimes because I run a podcast about it. But I'm not yeah. like, I'm not throwing it in people's faces when they don't ask. But if someone's like, oh, why are you nonverbal right now? Or why are you stimming? Or what are you doing with your hands? I'll be like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm autistic. And me being yeah. vulnerable with you and me showing you this is why I do these things isn't an invitation to criticize me. It's like, it's a reason. It's not an excuse, but it's a reason for my actions. And if you don't accept that as the reason, that's on you because... Yeah. One of the best parts of my job is the fact that I have two bosses and one of them is also autistic. So we just get each other so well. It's lovely. I have never been in a workplace environment that has been healthy for me as an autistic individual. Uh, me neither this is my first time (laughs) well congratulations I just I I would find it so much easier if I were in an autistic run or even just an autistic managed place because I worked at Starbucks for a period of time and if you don't know anything about Starbucks let me just tell you it is the most overstimulating place to work like maybe not the most but it's very overstimulating it's It's up there it's up there it's fast-paced there's yelling, there's coffee machines, there's drive-through headsets, there's everything going on at once. So it's stimulatory hell. But it's also just, people are just weird. People are fucking horrible, especially about their coffee. So we have Starbucks in Australia, but the thing is, is that it's not very successful because Starbucks coffee is trash. It is, And like, I don't don't know if you know the stereotype that Australians are coffee snobs, but it is 100% true. We are coffee snobs. So we don't go to Starbucks. It's not very successful. It's only in the capital cities, really. But I've been there, like, 
I think I've been there twice. Like there was one time that I was wa- I was in Brisbane and I had to get to the train station and I missed my train and there was a Starbucks like next to uh, the South Brisbane train station and I had like 10 minutes to kill. So I went in there and I got a coffee and I was like, this is actually trash. Um, and then I think that was the most recent time. I think the first time I ever had Starbucks was when I was like 14 and I was like, oh my God, Starbucks. Because, you know, I was like, I think this happens to everyone who isn't born in America is that you kind of have this idea that like every, like, you know, that America is like amazing and you want to move there when you're older and all of the like American chocolate and lollies and stuff like this is so great and so I was really excited to try Starbucks for the first time and I was like this is not good I actually prefer Gloria Jean's coffee like Macca's coffee is better than Starbucks coffee um and yeah now that I'm older I'm very glad I didn't grow up in the states I'm like oh actually I don't want to move there anymore I um I I think I've mentioned something but I'm obviously I'm from the U.S. and I had this idea of like I I think every United States child has this idea that like the U.S. is the only developed country because that's kind of what they teach you. It's actually not. It's It's actually not. It's It's very much not. It is a third world country with a Gucci belt. It got from an op shop slapped on. Oh, sorry, thrift store (laughs) slapped onto it. It's it's intense how much whiplash you get when you actually interact with people from other countries as someone from the u.s like as a child because what you're fed in schools i can't even imagine you're fed that it's the best country and we're the only free country with some freedom and babes you don't have freedom (laughs) oh my god and like the the concept of pledging allegiance to the flag sends shivers down my spine that is so patriarchal and cultish let me tell you texas makes you pledge to both the united states and the texas flag so oh my god don't tell me that one of my really good friends lives in texas and i'm gonna visit her soon (laughs) how do you think your home country i australia um differs from the u.s in lgbt and neurodivergence acceptance you can address this as like one question or two separate questions okay so i will yeah so um, I think in terms of like queer acceptance, it's str- it's strange because like we legalized same sex marriage a lot later than you guys did, but you know, out tra- like trans people in Australia aren't under attack the way that they are in America right now. Like they're still not really like I don't I can't I can't the thing is that I can't speak too much on the trans experience because I'm not trans, but I like am someone who doesn't identify with the gender that they were assigned with at birth so I do like I have kind of like dipped my toes into what that's like here um like top surgery uh, like that's that's something I'm exploring that's not covered under Australian Medicare even if you are diagnosed with gender dysphoria or anything like that so and I know it's probably not in the U.S. either um but you know, like queer people do have, like, not in Queensland, like in Queensland where I live is like the Florida of Australia. Um, so you can imagine what that's like. So not really comfy, but Melbourne and Victor- like the state of Victoria, incredible. Like when I was there, I felt so liberated. I felt so like, 
you know, like Sydney has gay people, but Melbourne has queer people. So there are kind of like, they're kind of like micro communities within cities that are very um, safe for people. And I know that um, we just kicked out, we had a government that was going, they had been in power for nine years, I think. And in our most recent election, they were voted out, which was amazing. And now we have a a semi-more progressive government than the last one. They're still not great, but I mean, they're better. And they're a bit more embarrassed about their conservative beliefs, so they don't like try and like push them forward, but they're still there. But now that we don't have a conservative part, like as much of a conservative party in, I do have hopes that things are going to get better, especially we have um, one of the um, one of the minor parties called the Greens Party. They are so amazing in terms of like queer, like queer acceptance and queer liberation. One of the um, MPs who was voted in in the last election, he advertised, he came from retail or hospitality, I can't remember which one. And he ran his campaign on Grindr and he got in. Like, because he didn't have, like, the Greens don't take political donations. That's what makes them not a corrupt party. So he was like, oh, I'm going to run my, this is where I can find my community. My community needs me right now. And yeah, now he's an MP. His name is Stephen Bates. If anyone wants to look him up, he's incredible. Um, So in terms of, like, queer liberation and queer celebration, it's definitely getting better. I don't live in fear that I will have to retreat in Australia um and I can't like actually think about what it is like as someone who is genderqueer in in the states right now I just my heart goes out to you that's horrible um but in terms of neurodivergence no like we just not I think everyone has this idea that Australia is like this progressive laid-back country where we all surf and have barbecues and stuff like that but that's not like we are really we really we have a large problem with a lot like a lot of things we're not as great as everyone thinks we are um but we're still better than a lot of other countries um, like I never went to school in fear that I was going to get shot, you know, so that's a win. But, you know, there is something called the NDIS, which is called the National Disability Insurance Scheme. You can only be on and like on the NDIS program if you've been diagnosed, like my brother is on it. Um, and then things like that. Uh, um, th- things like speech therapy and like those kinds of things are covered under the NDIS but you know like I said it caught I think when I was looking into it it cost it was going to cost about four thousand dollars to go through the diagnosis process and I was just like I don't care that like for me personally I know that like for some people it is really validating to have a diagnosis um as you were saying before but for me I was just like I don't need someone else to tell me how my brain works I feel like I'm the only person that's really gonna know how my brain works and I don't need to spend three to four thousand dollars for someone to tell me because I know um 
yeah it's it's not the best it definitely like there's there's rumblings of it kind of improving again with the new government that we have and the greens party that are aiming to you know like push them to make better decisions so i don't know i kind of feel like we're in this really weird limbo where we've just kicked out a really conservative government the government that's in power now are trying to undo some of the things they did and also kind of like keep some of the things they did but keep it very quiet that they're trying to do that like it's really it, it the, it's a mess right now actually like so yeah maybe if you ask me this question again in a year I'll have a better more distinct answer but right now I think because of just the the, the, the point that we're in is it's it's strange to think about just gonna say I had a an interview with someone and we were talking because I'm actually moving to Canada um soon I'm going the I'm doing the working the international experience Canada because I was there in July and I fell in love with it and I if I didn't have plans after Canada I probably would have stayed but I did so I left and I'm like no I want to go back so I had a job interview at this uh, Lakeside Lodge and he was like why do you want to work here and I was like well I was in the area in July and I just fucking fell in love with it then I was like oh shit am I allowed to swear like that verbatim and he just laughed at me and he was like you're fine and I was like okay I promise I won't do this around the kids so yeah we swear so much I do my I will do my best to not say the c word over there because that is um I remember when I um in in March last year I was in Iceland and I met someone who lives in New York and I was going to New York after and she was just kind of talking to me about what like <laughs> what to not do when I was there and she was like do not say this you will get stabbed and I was like okay thank you yeah. for telling me that so yeah it's going it's it's gonna be fun but yeah so I I had Australia we also have a national swearing problem just as much as we do a gambling problem and an um, alcohol problem we just have a lot of problems <laughs> a lot of problems in australia we just have a lot of problems at least you don't have like a school shooting problem though so at least no yeah yeah we had one mass shooting in port arthur and um then our prime minister at the time was like hey guys i don't really want 20 people to die like this again it's funny that you mentioned canada um i was just there <laughs> um oh my god my boyfriend you go? um this is like the america of canada but ontario okay uh, yeah I've I've spent some time in Ontario yeah my um my boyfriend Jonathan who will never listen to this podcast but on the off chance he does hi um, hi Jonathan <laughs> he um he lives in Ontario and he's born and raised in Canada and he everything I say about the U.S. he's like that is wild we're never visiting your family and I'm like <laughs> but, um I want to move there one day because it is it's it's amazing i love i love canada i love um yeah everywhere everywhere i've been in canada has just been absolutely beautiful and absolutely like people aren't like necessarily like fairy tale magically nice but like it feels like what the fuck guys america yeah your shit like see i kind of felt like whenever i was like dining out the you know the stereotype that canadians were nice i felt like they were milking that for a tip i was like oh I did kind like, of feel like that when I went out. Yeah, um, I was yeah. like, oh, 
You're just being super nice to me. I actually don't want you to talk to me. I'm happy eating by myself. And my You're like mid by it and they're just like, how are you? And it's I'm like, like, no, I don't want to talk. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a great day, night, afternoon, and I will see you in the next one.